0: So my name's Rob Golding. I'm married to Nell, three children. But you don't need to know that. But I've just told you. But it's uh, great to be with you this morning, and we're continuing our series, our In Christ series, looking at these amazing statements through the New Testament about what our true identity is. And these are really powerful uh, verses we're looking at as uh, through this series. And today we're looking at. Possibly the best one. When I was asked to speak, and I thought, they've given me the best one. <laughs> uh, which I just was delighted with. Uh, great. I really appreciate it. And it is this. It is in Romans 8, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And uh, we're going we're to look at this in detail this morning. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing to really understand that God does not condemn us. So we can hear a phrase like, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And yet I reckon there'll be many people in this room who live under a constant feeling, a cloud, if you like, of condemnation, of not feeling good enough. James touched on it at the start of the morning, of conscious of the things we have done wrong, things which displease God, that should disqualify us. And we can live under this cloud of guilt, condemnation, not feeling good enough. But that is not where God wants us to be. This verse clearly says it. So I want to help us go through um, this subject this morning, but condemnation is a horrible thing. I don't know if you've been watching the news this week, but obviously there's another high-profile celebrity scandal. And people are very quick to condemn condemn uh, how sin can get hold of people. But the truth is, as James also brought earlier, I mean, James could have literally done the whole talk this morning, let's be honest. But it, as he said, we have all sinned. All, every one of us have done things which displease God. But there can be a spiral downwards in your life. Something gets a grip of you and it can take you down. And uh, the Bible says actually there's another way. The grace of God can lift us up. It can liberate us. So that's what we're going to look at. And we've even got this phrase, uh, a new phrase called cancel culture. If you're familiar, of course you're familiar with that phrase. But it's where we condemn everybody who thinks in a certain way. We're told that we should just condemn people who think differently to us. We should cancel them, we should condemn them, we should exclude them. Well, the, the Bible actually says that as Christians, we're never to have that spirit. We're never to have that kind of condemnatory spirit, and it says if we pe- meet people who think differently to us, we should treat them with gentleness and respect. Very different to our modern culture and this condem- condemning speech. Into all of this confusion steps the voice of Jesus in the Gospels, and in John chapter three, it's got the most famous verse. In John three sixteen, it says, "For God so loved the world." That he sent his only son. And then it goes on to say this For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, condemning people doesn't help anyone. You don't change anyone's life by condemning them. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn, I didn't come to put you down. But he came to save us. He came to help us in our mess. See, the grace of God, God's love for us, can elevate us. It can change our lives. It can turn them around completely. So if you're here for the first time and you've never really understood Christianity, I hope that today as we look at this verse, you'll say, oh, that could be for me, that I could be not condemned. I could be forgiven and set free. And I could live a new life. That is the gospel message. And the, all of these phrases in Christ are not just for those who are already in Christ. It's for those who are looking on saying, what does it mean to be a Christian? Right, I just think it'd if I'm just going to pray. And uh, let's just pray for God's help. Lord Jesus, we thank you that there is no condemnation in you. We thank you you didn't come to condemn. And I pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit here today, I pray you'd lift off condemnation in this place. I pray that condemnation would go in Jesus' name. And I pray that in its place would come thankfulness and a new lightness in our spirit. I pray that we would live the liberated lives you called us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at three points this morning. I turn around because i just checking it comes on behind me. Uh, And it's the three things, the voice of condemnation, the voice of liberation, and the voice of love. These are three things I hear in this this verse. So, the voice of condemnation. So again, let's look at that verse. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And this word, therefore, is important. (laughs) It's not that this is just... Uh, an automatic thing. In fact, there was a famous preacher called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and he said, if you can understand the secret of therefore, basically you're better than all other Christian theologians and thinkers because the, the, the point is, it's there for a reason. There is a reason there is no condemnation and that reason is Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. That is the reason there can be no condemnation for us. And, um, but condemnation, the the Greek word here uh, is a Greek word called katakrima, which is a combination of two words, and it means pronounced against, so it's like a declaration of guilt, a declaration of condemnation, and it imagines that there's going to be some sort of punishment. So this is a serious thing, there is a condemnation over our lives. And we all start in that place, but it's it's a horrible thing to be pronounced against, to be condemned. And uh, as you do when you're preparing a talk, I remembered back to an early condemnation moment for me, which I'll share for your amusement, at least. I hope it will be for that. And uh, it was I was in school year three, modern year three. It was first year juniors, and I was sat next to my friend, and. With, there was a girl sat next to him called Elizabeth. We'll use her real name. I can't remember my friend's name. I've really tried. <laughs> Whatever his name was, he was a good close, weird he Really could, but can't can't remember his name. Tom, maybe Tom. I, I don't know. Anyway, this anyway Elizabeth. We're all on these desks. You imagine wooden desks, writing on like chalk on you know slate. It was that long ago. Uh, obviously not. So we're there, and anyway, Elizabeth uh, decides to attack my friend whose name I can't remember. And and so in his defense, and in my defense, I just, I tried to stop her hurting my friend. And I may, or may not, have twisted her arm. (laughs) So I twisted her arm, she then starts crying, quite a lot. So I may have hurt her quite badly. The teacher, this is all first year juniors, I'm, I'm like new in the school, you know, I've never done anything wrong. Well, obviously I have. I'm a, Done a few things wrong, but I never got caught for anything before. And um, so I'm then sent into the classroom next door to the headmaster. And he's a, a big guy. And it's in front of a whole other class, right? And he tells me that boys do not hurt girls girls and and he just shouted at me in front of all these other kids and I felt like I wanted the ground to swallow me up as I got this verdict of condemnation I just felt terrible he was uh, this headmaster was telling me off Um, so Elizabeth um, if you're watching sorry once again uh, (laughs) for twisting your arm and also uh, sorry for that time in the year six trip where we made you laugh so much that um, you had an asthma attack. So sorry also, (laughs) sorry also for that. Um, But anyway, the, the point of that is that nobody likes to be under this cloud of condemnation. It's just a horrible feeling just to be condemned and I was guilty. Um, but there are things I am guilty of that are far worse than that but I'm not going to tell you what they are (laughs) I, I can select the material but we have all sinned as the Bible says and fall short of the glory of God there is no one righteous, not even one all of us are conscious of things that we've done wrong and we can have these pronouncements over our lives saying you are this and I remember hearing a guy called Terry Virgo who has uh, written some books on grace that I would recommend. And he said that his youth leader, when he was at the youth group as a teenager, his youth leader said, about him, you are a hopeless case. That was the verdict that the not particularly good youth leader uh, said over his life, you're a hopeless case. Well, if you you ever watch any of his things, his teaching and... um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to breach. Have we, have we asked him yet? or is that So he may be coming next year to speak. So that's breaking news. I don't know whether I was allowed to do that or not, but I've, I've done it now. So amazing, but you see, if you look at what he became, he was absolutely amazing. He is he's still alive. He's an amazing man of God. But his teaching on grace is amazing. Um, and it, it, this whole thing about being liberated. But he was initially told you'd be a hopeless case well I want to say this God specializes in hopeless cases if you've put that label over yourself or others have you'll never amount to much you're no good well get this God specializes in people who've been written off and rubbished and told they're not good enough God specializes in turning people's lives around and he can do that for you today so that is the first thing. There's this these voice of condemnation. And actually, uh, as you look through this, because when it says therefore, you have to look back at the previous chapters of Romans, this kind of what he's been teaching. And he's saying there are two voices, if you like, that condemn us. And the first is the voice of the law. So that's the God's law. And, it, and Paul goes to a lot of lengths to explain that Actually, what law does, it shows us that we are, that we do go wrong, that, as Steve was talking about last week, that we've got this bowling ball bias to go off in the wrong direction. So um, so you hear the uh, if you're like me, you, hear, you see a sign that says, "Do not walk on the grass." You go, "Do not walk on the grass." says who? And there's something, there's something about us that we're just, just, even just for a, you know, I'm just gonna, just for a second, no one saw, ha. And there is that tendency when, when law produces uh, sinfulness. But actually, um, so the Pharisees made lots and lots of laws to try and make themselves right and tried harder and harder to, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna tithe my vegetables or my mint and my cumin I'm going to do lots of things to try and make myself acceptable to God And, the, and the Romans says nobody can get to God through law, through being good nobody can be good enough so the, the Jews realized that although they had God's law and you'll see it all the way through the Old Testament they have good days and bad days good days and bad days, they're constantly going into failure and although they had the good law there was nothing wrong with the law in itself the problem was in us. We have this weak weakness to go wrong. And we got that, the Bible says, from Adam. That actually when Adam sinned it meant that the whole human race has become sinful. That we have a tendency to go wrong. And if you think about it even for a moment you know it's true. You know it's true in your own life and you see it around in people around us. There is this problem this condemnation this voice of condemnation over us and there's also the voice of conscience even in our own minds so in uh, Romans chapter 2 it talks about sometimes our thoughts condemn us sometimes they uh, don't condemn us sometimes so it's not like everything we do is bad but all of us have the possibility of going awry and uh, but Jesus doesn't condemn and I love this bit in the New Testament where the Pharisees bring a woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. I don't know what happened to the guy. But she's brought in front of them. And they say to Jesus, well, surely she should be punished. This woman who's been caught, we've got her. And Jesus, very wise I mean, they're trying to trap him. And he says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he goes to the ground and he starts drawing on the ground just to give them time to think. Just to give them time to think. And it says the older ones left first. So all the people who came to condemn this woman left as they realized, no, I can't. I can't judge because I've also sinned. And then at the end he says, is no one condemn you? And neither do I condemn you. And Jesus was very gracious. And all the way through the Gospels, you see it keeps saying this phrase, your sins are forgiven. Jesus was in the habit of forgiving sins. And through Jesus, our sins can be forgiven. This is the good news of Jesus. Sins get forgiven. That he can take away our sins. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's the promise of the Bible. It can be taken away from us. And so, but Paul, who writes this, he himself, I don't know if you've ever thought about this for long, but he himself must have felt pretty guilty. So Paul, uh, who was Saul, was a Pharisee. He was one of those guys who was a legalistic Pharisee. He tried really hard to keep all the rules. And he was zealous. He was trying to please God really hard. So but he wasn't open to God. And actually, uh, there was a hardness in him and a hatred and an anger. So when the Christians, Christianity spread, he decided that he would go out and he would try and stop it. So he was traveling around. And you'll see this when he's explaining, defending himself uh, through the book of Acts and saying how uh, he's explaining how God met him on the road to Damascus and totally changed his life. But he was going in one direction to persecute Christians And then God said to him, why are you persecuting me? (laughs) And and he was blinded and then the blindness came off and he was spoken to God and God said, I'm going to use you to tell people about Jesus. So he did a complete U-turn and he went from being a a hateful man to be a a man full of love and compassion. And it was was the gospel, it was the good news about Jesus that did that. Jesus got a hold of him and said, I'm going to change you. You're not going to be like that anymore anymore. You're going to be totally different. But he must have felt guilty. And you see it when he's talking about it, he's saying, when they stoned Stephen to death, one of the first martyrs, he says, I, I held the coats and I approved of it. You know, he's still there thinking, that was me. And he talks about being the worst of sinners. He really did mess up. But God's grace got a hold of him. And he was totally transformed and uh, liberated. Um, And so he is the one who writes this verse, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And he later on in Galatians, he says this, God loved me and gave himself for me. That was his uh, just appreciation of what God had done, that he'd taken his sins as far as the east is from the west. It says in the Bible, That God takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. That's a long way. (laughs) And he buries them in the sea of forgetfulness. It says that in Micah. But that is what the gospel comes to do. It comes to take away our sin. So, and as I've been talking about this, I I feel like some of us can be like resistant to this message of no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And it's funny that we can hear it a lot. And we think, well, yeah, that's okay for them. Yeah, no, they, I can see that God loves them and has forgiven them, but yeah, I have to try really hard. I have to try really hard to get myself, so it's like this idea that we're accepted by grace, uh, not based on merit, it's a gift of God. Somehow we think, but yeah, but that's okay for them, but for me, I've got to try really hard. And we can live under this voice of condemnation and constantly not feeling good enough, um, why do I know that? Well, it happens to me. It happens to me all the time. So Steve asked me to lead worship for a prayer meeting the other day. So only a prayer meeting. okay? <laughs> so, wasn't, yeah. so, so Steve asked me to do it, And I thought, okay. And as I was going to lead worship, I started to remember something I'd done wrong. And then I started to remember the things I'd done wrong in my past, like, long, long time ago, the things I'm really ashamed of, I really shouldn't have done. And these things come back to my mind. And I get these accusing, condemning thoughts. Is it just me? <coughs> oh, it is just me. Oh, great. <laughs> just me then. Well, at least one of us is being edified by this talk. And uh, so, yeah, I, I find it happens. But actually, the Bible says there's another voice of condemnation. So we can have the voice of law condemning us. We can have the voice of conscience feeling like we haven't been good enough. But then we can have what's called the accuser of the brothers. In Revelation, it talks about there's an accuser of the brothers, and which is Satan. And he stands, a, in Zechariah, it talks about um, there's a high there's a, a priest who's standing before an angel. And next to him is Satan and Satan stands there saying accusing him saying he's not good enough and then God speaks and says stop it stop it the Lord rebuke you Satan is actually the stop that condemnation and I feel that is that is what God wants to do through this verse as we're looking at this morning we shouldn't be listening to the voice of condemnation I shouldn't be listening to it you shouldn't be listening to it Because it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if that voice is coming to you, that's not God's voice. If you're a believer, that's not God's voice. So you need to reject that voice and listen to the voice of God's love. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the voice of liberation. And uh, so how do we... Let's just look at the verse again. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So how does it work? Well, Jesus said this. He said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we need to take verses like this, and we need to underline them in our Bibles. And I remember hearing about one guy who said, he underlined Romans 8 verse 1 so much that it went through to the maps. (laughs) Okay? And I I recommend it to you as a policy. So I'm going to look at that and I'm going to put my faith on that, that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And as you start to think, oh, actually, the clouds of condemnation go and the sunshine of his grace is over your life. I am loved by God. I am accepted by God. I am forgiven. I am cleansed. I am made righteous by a gift from God. And um, this is an amazing thing. Similarly, in... Uh, Romans chapter 1, I don't know if I've got this one or not, but it says this at the start of Romans. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that's by faith. And there was a very famous uh, church reformer called Martin Luther and he tried really hard to please God and he used to fast and pray and almost beat himself up in an effort to be good enough for God. And then he read this verse and a light came on and he realized it doesn't come from me. The righteousness does not come from me. It comes from God. I receive righteousness as a gift by faith. That's where the righteousness comes from. You cannot earn your way to God. That is the message of Romans. You can't do enough to cancel out the wrong things you've done. But you can receive the gift. You can receive the gift of God the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. See, the opposite of condemnation is justification. And justification, so condemnation means to be declared guilty. So those things, the voices of condemnation I talked about, those things condemn us and say they declare us guilty. But the voice of God justifies us. What does that mean? It declares us righteous. It says, you are righteous as a gift, a free gift from God because of what Jesus did on the cross. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sin. So the sins that were ours were placed on him so that God no longer sees them on us, but rather he sees Christ's righteousness. We are clothed in Christ, as it says in Colossians. We, have, we become in Christ. So God no longer sees us and holds our sin against us. But he sees Jesus and counts us in him. In Christ. It's like we are submerged. Actually in Colossians it says we are hidden in Christ. Hidden. He can't, he can't get us anymore. There's, uh, the enemy cannot touch us because we are clothed in Christ. It's quite a remarkable thing. And um, it says this. Therefore since we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. So that means we can go to God because we've got access. It's like um, King Charles could go see the queen whenever he wanted because he was part of the family. Okay? We, we, can't, we wouldn't have had access to the queen or King Charles rather. But... Because we're part of the family. Well, God brings us into his family through Jesus. And so we now have access to God. Free access. We can go straight into his presence. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We don't come on our merit. We come in Christ. And he sees us as righteous. And it goes on to say this. Um, it talks about that the in Adam, basically we're in two. We've got, there's a possibility of being in, in two people. You can be in Adam... And still under condemnation. Or you can be in Christ. And under justification. So it says this. Let's get the verse up. So then. And it's quite a complicated bit in Romans 5. But if you can spend a bit of time looking at it. It really helps. And I'll try and explain it simply. But it says this. So then. As through one trespass there is condemnation. For everyone. So also through one righteous act. There is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Um, And Terry Verger goes on to explain it like this. He says, Adam, if we go to the next slide, Adam once made us sinful, but now Christ makes us righteous. We are righteous, we're not righteous some of the time, but always Jesus' perfect righteousness has been given to us God only ever sees us as Wesley's great hymn declares, clothed in righteousness, divine. So, if you think about it, what's amazing about this teaching is that in Adam, automatically everybody went wrong. Everybody messed up. But if we're in Christ, everyone is made righteous. Righteous. Everyone is made righteous. Now, in your heads, I can hear the clicking. But Rob, I'm not righteous yet. Well, God, that's where you're going. And God has declared you righteous, so you have his righteousness. And you're going to be changed from one degree of glory to another. So through this life, righteousness is going to win in your life. And you're going to become more and more righteous That is the message of the gospel. It's not that we, therefore, as Tim was talking about, sin is not where we want to be. We turn our back on sin. Sin is not something, sin shall not be our master. See, sin is not where we want to be living. We want to be living for God. But how do you do it? Well, you don't do it. There's a new way to live righteously. I'm not perfectly, but in righteousness. And it's through a relationship with Jesus Christ It's through the liberation of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, it says, gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. As the Holy Spirit comes, we live the way God wanted us to live all along. See, the law couldn't do it. The law couldn't change us. But God can change us by his Holy Spirit. And he can enable us to live a much more righteous life than we think possible. So in Romans, it says things like this. We are more than conquerors. What? What? That's what it says. It says we are more than conquerors through Christ. And it says that we can reign in life. Now I think a lot of us could be helped by this teaching to live a much more godly life than we do. So That's, that's the message of the gospel. It's not that we, uh, we just carry on doing the same things. No, we break free of things that we can turn our back on things. I really recommend the Freedom in Christ course to you if you've not done it before and whenever that comes up in the future. Because that focuses all about the teaching about being in Christ. Look at these phrases about what we are in Christ and then put your faith in those phrases and it can help you live a different kind of life. You can live a much more godly life. But I want to say this. God just, there was a phrase when I was preparing. Um, I just thought yeah, it's quite amazing, um, which is good because that's what the Bible is. But it says God justifies the ungodly in Romans. So you may think, well, I don't feel good enough. Well, that's the point. Nobody's good enough, but God can justify the ungodly. He can declare anyone righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. So he's both just, he punishes sin, he punishes Jesus, but he's also the one who justifies, declares us righteous, gives us this free gift of righteousness. So there's some great verses. I think we looked at them already. But blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord will never count against him. And uh, I would recommend to you also, there's a, a, a verse in Titus, that Terry Virgo did a talk, it really helped me when I was younger. Uh, it says, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And you think, so often we think, well, if I, if I say that the danger is, if I say you're forgiven, well, then you'll go off and, well, it doesn't matter what I do, I can get forgiven. And that's a lot of nervous Christian teaching in the world where it says, well, we've got to keep telling the law because the law is, uh, you know, got to get the rules out there. But he says, no, it's grace. God's free gift of unmerited uh, grace. That's the thing which changes us. And how does it change us? It changes us on the inside. It's like, I want to please God because of what he's done for me, because he loved me so much. There is a thankfulness in my heart, like a springboard where I want to please God. So actually, the person who's understood grace will live more righteously than the person who's trying to follow the rules. Because with the rules, you never, you're always going to come short. You're not going to quite make it. But actually, with grace, you can go above and beyond. How much more will those reign in life? So there's, there's like a, an aban- abundance to our living. We can do much more than we think we can with God's help we can live a much more godly life than we realize but there is no condemnation for Christ so whatever stage you're at I don't want you to come come out condemned but I do want to give faith that there is a possibility of living a much more righteous life so we can be more than conquerors and we can uh, grace can really do a number on us and finally I want to look at the voice of love So we can look again at that verse. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Have you got it yet? Okay, that was a deafening silence. <laughs> but there is no condemnation for you today. And at the end of Romans chapter eight, it goes on to say, who is the one who condemns? I just want to encourage you, it's not God. God is not the one that condemns. God is for you. He is not against you. And it says this in Romans 8. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And that's supposed to make us think of no one of consequence. God is on my side. If you're in Christ, God is for me. For he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God-elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? God is the one who justifies. God declares you righteous here today. If you're in Christ, you are declared righteous. There's no condemnation for you. And who can separate you from the love of Christ? What an amazing Concept that nothing can separate us. And it goes on to say, next verse, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither height, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So it starts, chapter 8 starts with no condemnation and it ends with no separation. Nothing can separate us. No past, present, or future sins can separate the believer. God does not justify you based on your performance. He justifies you based on the performance of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that gift is available to everybody. And if I've not explained it clearly enough, I want to just really help you. If you're not a believer, you can become a believer today. You can come and receive forgiveness of sins and you can have your past present and future cleansed so that God will see you righteous in this life and in eternity and he will not hold your sins against you that is the message of the gospel god has a way of taking our sins away from us the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world if you're not a believer please receive christ because if you do not then that condemnation still rests on you is not gone this is not automatic. You need to receive Christ. You need to be in Christ. So as we go through these talks, I implore you to receive Christ as Lord. And if you are in Christ, I want you to know just how much he loves you. The love of Christ for us. You see, I went through Romans a few years ago on a theology course. It's a long time ago. But somebody said to me, you've got to look at the whole of the book of Romans if you want to understand why he says certain things. And in this verse, chapter 8, which says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, why does he say it? Well, actually, there was condemnation going on in the church. They were condemning each other for having different views about certain things, as you can read in the later chapters, about food sacrificed to idol, about meat, whether it was right or wrong. And they were condemning each other they were judging each other you see if a condemned person a person who feels condemned like the Pharisees they're not nice people they're not nice people to be around if you're under condemnation yourself you're not there's no love in you but if you've understood the gospel of grace if you've understood that Jesus died in your place for your sins that you've been forgiven there is a well of love that should flow up in our hearts and we should be the most loving the most kind, the most gracious the most uh, other person focused, we shouldn't go around judging people, we should go around loving people and that's the that, is the sum, that sums up the Bible Jesus said look, what, when he was tested what does the, the Old Testament, what does the law really say, he says love God and love your neighbor as yourself and if you do those two things, you sum up the entire Old Testament simple and yet it isn't simple So people tried to justify themselves because they wanted to walk on by the other side. But God doesn't want us to be like us. He wants to give us a heart of love. He wants to give us a heart of love for others and that we wouldn't be those who condemn. And actually within the church, we wouldn't speak ill of each other. doesn't mean we can't correct one another, but we wouldn't condemn. And there would be a love for people. And so I wanted to encourage you with that, that there should be this love in our hearts, And also, um, to be encouraged that don't get into self-condemnation. That's the other thing I was going to say. Self-condemnation, it's like you're doing the devil's work for him. So I'm just, just, turn that voice off. And there's a curious verse in 1 John 4. It says, we learn to set our hearts at rest in his presence. For God is greater than our hearts. And actually, it's a bit like Jacob said, God knows everything. God knows what you've done, good and bad. But he wants us to set our hearts at rest in his presence. He doesn't want us to have those voices of condemnation in our ears. He wants to take them away and know that we are accepted. So the first thing we think of is, I'm accepted, I'm loved, and nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus thank you for listening and um, I'm just going to pray and actually if there's anybody here today who is not a Christian you'd like to be then I'm going to lead us in a prayer that you can pray uh, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior so let's just bow our heads so if you're not a Christian and you'd like to pray this prayer this is just the first prayer you can pray It says this, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life and I feel condemned about. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And uh, Lord, I do just want to pray, Lord, that over us, over us this morning, that the voice of condemnation would go and we'd hear afresh the voice of your love for us in our ears, Lord, today, that we would live liberated lives. Amen.